The South Carolina legislature continues its work on new pro-life legislation while Planned Parenthood is suing South Carolina over the heartbeat bill again. And Joe Cunningham releases his shortlist for who's going to be his vice vice governor. All of that on the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. And with that, we welcome you into another edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Dave Wilson is to my left, and we begin with I a lot of different to news. Your left. You're you're to my left on the on, on the screen here, but never to my left. You're, you're you might be more right than I am. I don't know. We have a lot to get to, and there's a lot to cover because there are some things that have happened over the weekend that you need to know about and that you need to be aware of, but. Really quick, just a quick note. If you ever feel like things are mm, a bit spiraling out of control and you feel a little stressed, maybe you need to relax. Maybe you need to take a breather. Maybe you want to go home and, and, and light a candle, read a nice book, or maybe you have a romantic dinner planned. You want to light some candles there. Well, the best candles to get are from Halfley Haven Co. Those are 100% American-grown soy wax candles that have no artificial additives, no chemicals, nothing that's going to be harmful to what you and your family, your children are breathing. You mean it doesn't have, it's not, it's not based on liberal policies. It is not based on liberal policies. These are handmade, homegrown right here in the state of South Carolina. The new summer scents just dropped. I smelled one of the new summer scents last night. I know, what, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're a guy. What are you doing talking about candles? When I tell you that some of these candles are specifically designed for men and the in the sense that we like to smell yeah. those strong manly smells, those are provided too. So whether you want a relaxing night in reading a book, romantic dinner, or you're just at home and you want to light a candle because it makes your home more soothing, you can do that. Halfley Haven Co. is right here on Facebook. So you can minimize this in the bottom of the screen. Go to Halfley Haven Co. on Facebook. 100% American-grown soy wax candles. Why don't you burn a candle? While you listen to the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. So go ahead, light the candle. Let's begin. We start, Dave, in the state of South Carolina. That's where we'll spend most of our time today because uh, the state, ha uh, the state newspaper, I should say, had an article on July the 15th letting us know Planned Parenthood's a lot like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> In so many different ways. <laughs> they 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 fail and they keep trying. Now I understand that they want to do everything they can to protect three percent of their business. Uh, but the <laughs> point is they're suing the state again. Uh, because oh, so they originally sued the state over the fetal heartbeat bill, Dave, that was signed in February of 2021. That was then enjoined in the court. Right. So they they sued that one in federal court. Yes. So by suing in federal court, it was because the United States of America was still operating under Roe v. Wade. When the Dobbs decision came down just in June, it said very clearly. This overrides Roe versus Wade and Casey. And those two cases combined were what were being used as the federal basis for allowing abortion. Now, what the Supreme Court did on June 24th when they released their, their, their final ruling on the Dobbs case, it put it back into the hands of the state uh, government. Yep. States were then responsible for those decisions that needed to be made. And so all 50 states 
all 7,838 members of the legislature and the 50 governors of the 50 states, these stars right here, they actually matter mm -hmm. because in a federalism form of government, it's the responsibility of the 50 states to carry out the laws that are not specifically outlined and the rights that are not specifically outlined in the United States Constitution. The right to abortion is not specifically outlined in the Constitution. Therefore, the Supreme Court came back and said, this is outside of our jurisdiction. We're overturning previous decisions by this court, and we're now going to give it, based upon the 10th Amendment of the Constitution, back to the states for the states to then make those decisions. And that's where I, the, the case, the heartbeat case, was brought up by Planned Parenthood in federal court. Well, guess what? The Dobbs decision now says this does no longer reside as a, as a case in federal court. So now Planned Parenthood is suing in state court under some similar language. Well, the whole idea is that the right to privacy granted um, there's actually not a right to privacy granted in the U.S. Constitution. In fact, you, you're welcome to search for it. Go for it. You could. I'll give you ten thousand um, dollars. It's not there. There is, however, Dave, a right to privacy in the state constitution. I happen to have it right here. We have it right here. So let, let's see what the state constitution so, has to say. So the state constitution has been through various revisions over time. Naturally. the This version is the version that came out in 1971. So this was prior to Roe v. Wade. Yes, it was. And it outlines in this, and it's actually based upon the Constitution of 1868, but that's something else we'll get to in a moment. It's talking about Section 10. So if you want to find out more about this, we'll provide a link to you uh, in the description to the South Carolina State House website where you can actually pull up the Constitution of the state of South Carolina. Article 1, Section 10 reads this. We'll put it up on the screen. Under sections, searches and seizures, invasion of privacy. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures and unreasonable invasions of privacy shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched, the person or things to be seized, and the information to be obtained. It is based upon this right of privacy based in the South Carolina Constitution, Justin, that Planned Parenthood is saying making the same argument that they tried to make in the penumbras found within the U.S. Constitution, because right to privacy is not there, they are using that as now this is being violated by the heartbeat law. Which, okay, um, this was in 19... 1971. The 1971 edition. Oh, that's what I'll call it. Yes. The 1971 edition, which is interesting. Before Roe v. Wade, but hey, you know, don't don't knock framers of constitutions, right? Don't. In the, uh, in the appendix to the opinion of the court in the Dobbs decision, we talked about this at length on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast just after the decision was put down. Um, in one of those, uh, number 35, South Carolina, 1883. So that was 1883. This is 1883. And, and this was actually into the Constitution. It's a similar provision of the Constitution of 1868. So this, this what I'm about to read, is still after that, correct? It's a law, yeah, it's a law that was created in 1883. 
This is 1868, so you're talking, hey, what, a good, good 20 years. 50, I mean, yeah. yeah, almost 20 years. Section 2 of this says that any person who shall administer to any woman with child or prescribe or procure or provide for any such woman or advise or procure any such woman to take any medicine, drug, substance, or thing, whatever, or shall use or employ or advise the use of employment of any instrument or other means of force, whatever, with intent thereby to cause or procure the miscarriage or abortion or premature labor of any such woman, shall upon conviction thereof be punished by imprisonment in the penitentiary for a term not more than five years or by fine not more than $5,000 or by such fine and imprisonment both at the discretion of the court, but no conviction shall be had under the provisions of Section 1 and 2 of this Act upon the uncorroborated evidence of such woman. So, based on this legislation that was written in 1883 and a part of state law... Which came after... Which came after the, the Constitution, Constitution... of 1868. Correct, because so some, you had to draft it. I mean, you had to draft right, a new one. Some 20 years right. after that, right. It would, it would beg... Mm. It, I mean, I'm not a scholar in much of anything, but I will say that it appears... Uh, Planned Parenthood doesn't have a leg to stand on here, Dave, because, um, yes, the evil Republican legislators and the evil Governor McMaster... Who signed the bill who almost signed immediately. The bill with, with his bill-signing pen. Unlike the Vice Governor wannabe? He reached out to me this weekend, Dave. Did we'll he? get to him in a second. Okay. We'll get to was him in a second. Okay. I was very... I was, I was honored. Were you truly anyway, honored um, or harassed? It, well, it depends. <clears throat> what, whatever the case is... This just appears that Planned Parenthood doesn't have a leg to stand on, and now that they're su- they're suing in state court, now we get to the issue of the state Supreme Court, which is a l- totally different ballgame than right. the U.S. Supreme Court. So the state Supreme Court, there are five members of the state Supreme Court. They go through a process. They are actually elected by the 170 members of the legislature in a joint session. <clears throat> they go through a, a selection process, though. So the way that the process works is the Judicial Merit Selection Committee, which is made up of 10, ready for this one? 10 lawyers. Shocking. 10 trial lawyers who are deciding who the three recommendations are going to be that are going to then go before the legislature who then votes for the judges on our state courts. So the five members of the state Supreme Court are not necessarily seen as being what we would consider balanced conservatively. By conservative, Justin, we don't mean where do they stand on ideology on certain issues, but how do they actually view the the law and the interpretation of the law. And so there are places right now where there are two that are considered to be conservatives. There are three that are considered to be less than conservative, one moderate, two liberals. And so with that, you don't necessarily know how the state Supreme Court is going to break things down because it could turn into a thing where once this moves its way through state court, it could come to the state Supreme Court. And there's a real question then of whether or not they're going to allow the argument, the use of the right of privacy, as we showed you just a few minutes ago, that's outlined in the state constitution, if they're going to be able to use that, which is typically used for searches and seizures, mm-hmm. which is part of a, an investigative process. And so the argument that Planned Parenthood is going to make here, Justin, is they're going to argue that you going into and having your medical files reviewed is a violation of your privacy as to whether or not a doctor performed a, a an abortion that was considered to be illegal 
under the heartbeat law, which basically says this, if a heartbeat can be detected, the state of South Carolina has the responsibility to protect that life. And so that's where their argument's now going to start coming from. And it really, it begs the question of what type of justices do we have on the state Supreme Court and how will they begin to view these? Well, the state Supreme Court, by the way, is through through this window and it's right Right back there. the justices that sit there, Justice George C. James Jr., Justice John Cannon Few, uh, Justice Kay Hearn, Justice John Kittredge, and, of course, Chief Justice Donald Beatty. Those are the five. That's it. Now, there was a proposal by former Speaker of the House, Jay Lucas, to increase the number right. of Supreme Court justices. That didn't really make any headway. Um, so there's only five. This is going to be an interesting thing to track because at the same time this is happening, you've got the ad hoc committee meeting today right. to determine what types of pieces of legislation they want to put forward on possible pro-life legislation that goes even further than the heartbeat So bill. this is the same ad hoc committee, committee that met a few weeks ago yes. that actually took seven hours of testimony. Wasn't you, enough, Dave. It, it was a lot of testimony. It wasn't enough, Dave. But, uh, no, according to Planned Parenthood, it was not enough because they were like, well, it's, the decisions have already been made. It's not already going to be stacked. As a matter of fact, uh, Vicki Ringer, who is with Planned Parenthood, had a very interesting statement because when she did an interview with the state newspaper, she basically boiled it down, and I'm trying to find that located. It was in the article that came in the state newspaper, and she says this, I'm surprised, speaking of John McCravey, that I'm surprised he had a public testimony anyway because the members of that committee honestly don't care what we have to say. They did it for appearances. So Planned Parenthood is already saying that the actual democratic process of hearing from the public is all a show. I would wonder how quick they would be to say the same thing. I wonder how Miss Ringer would feel if the shoe were on the other proverbial foot and we had a majority. Now, again, try to go into this imagination. A, like we were Democrat, like California. Yeah, let's okay. just say you're like California. <clears throat> and no offense, we decide, Jonathan Keller with our colleagues in, in California who have to deal with this all the time. Let's just say our state government were to decide that you can, like California, abort a child 95 years after it's born. Do... Are they okay with just, I mean, would they be okay if they just passed that law without any public input and public testimony? I'm sure they would be. They'd be dancing up and down. Why? Because they don't care about the process. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the democratic process. In fact, the democratic process is is an obstacle to the goal of which they have set. Right. Because the people are allowed to speak in this issue. And that's really why they don't like the Supreme Court decision. They say... The government shouldn't be involved in people's medical decisions. Except well, when it comes to your vaccine. And 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 at the same well, that's a good point. I mean and that's a that's a very good point. I mean, we, we passed around we passed around a whole video that was this weekend and it was talking about the fact that the arguments that you are hearing right now over the vaccine and abortion, they're, they're the linked. arguments, they're so linked right there. The vice governor tried to use that in his testimony. Did he? I what I'm saying the point is one side cares about the process, one side cares about democracy, and the other side, democracy doesn't mean the same thing it used to. Right. Democracy to one side of the aisle literally means, do what I say, I want my way, and if I don't get my way, you know what it is? It's a threat to democracy. Right. That's what it is. So, Mrs. Ring, I, I appreciate this. Another point, remember uh, the former councilwoman <clears throat> from Columbia? Her Tamika name got called. Isaac Divine Her got, name got called. Did it she get didn't called? show up. 
Um, well, I, I heard that she, she said that she was, had been there that morning. She arrived to wait in line around 9.15 a.m. Right. Which, weren't we out there at 9.15 a.m.? We were, and I'm trying to her. recall if I saw her. Maybe, because I would I'm have not saying she's lying. Her. I would have but recognized her. Maybe she had her. already left. Um, yeah. She counted about 50 people in front of her, but by 2 p.m., her, she said her name had not been called. Well, let, so, so there were 100 people that were let into the room. Initially, there were 100 people that were let in, and as people left, new people came in. So they were having a steady flow of people all day long. But if you got out of line or if you left, right, your name was stricken from the record like in, in a way that said, if you move, like, like you move now, it, you lose it. But, but let's, to, to her thing, she said she arrived at 9.15, counted around 50 people in front of her. Mm-hmm. The hearing doesn't start until noon. There were a few minutes. It was maybe like... It was about 12.15. 12.15 when they started. That's I mean, not unusual. At least it wasn't Senate time. This is true because that would have been the next day. Right. So she gets there at 9.15, the 50 people in front of her. They're going to let 100 people in at first. So she would have been within the first... 50. 50 that were there. And so the first 50 were heard. They were doing what? Like 12 to 15 an hour? Give so it would have been hour three... When she would have been hurt. About three o'clock, yeah. So there was plenty of opportunity, but she left because she had to go to a meeting. She, um, let me find the reason here. By, she said because by two o'clock. She had an appointment with a client because she is an attorney. Right. She, and and so she I can fault her for she having to do, do her her job. job. Right. Um, I'll leave that joke alone. <clears throat> um, the state newspaper article goes on to talk about the heat advisory on the day of the hearing. <laughs> And the risk of COVID-19 might have deterred attendees. I am so tired <laughs> of hearing about COVID-19. Like, there were people there with masks. There sure were, there were. Outside. There, you can heat. wear a mask in you the heat if you want go to. Go for it. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not faulting you, protecting yourself if you feel the need. But I'm so tired right. of hearing that used as an excuse for why people don't show up. It is 2022. The pandemic... Did people Pretty not show up to vote for that reason, too? Probably. Because only f- one out of six Harrison, people voted. Maybe Jerry, Jamie Harrison was scared of COVID, and that's why he didn't come down or here. Or he was afraid of the heat because Columbia is just so famously hot. I mean, Washington, D.C. ain't got nothing uh, on this. just saying. It's, it's swampy up in Washington, and it's really hot here. <laughs> um, we move on. We move on because I did have um, a, a nice back and forth with, with the vice gov. Really? Um, the vice gov reached out to me on, on Twitter. Now, when I say the vice governor, I, I don't really believe it was him. We call him the vice governor because he is the gubernatorial candidate who is looking to enact as many vices as possible yes. into state law. Yes. Uh, not only is he totally for abortion, not only is he totally for marijuana, not only is he totally for, oh, what was the other item that he wanted to be for? Sports gambling. Sports gambling. There are so many things that Joe Cunningham so many vices Joe Cunningham wants to be for that we have labeled him the vice governor wannabe of South Carolina. Speaking of vices, by the way, yes. I have I have a couple of vices that I'm trying to get over as well, and one of those are, are sweets. I love uh, you sweets. You know, I love sweets, and th- we have a great new sponsor, M&B Sweets. They're, they're a homegrown business right here in South Carolina. Some of the best gluten-free snacks you could ever have. Gluten-free, I'm, guilt-free is what Gluten-free, guilt-free. So the brownie... The brownie was absolutely phenomenal. Gluten-free. 
It was grain-free, it was sugar-free, and it was melt-in-your-mouth. it wasn't taste-free. It was not taste-free. That is some of the, the numerous gluten-free bakery gifts and, and treats that you can have. As a matter of fact, I was talking with the owner yesterday. She was doing a gender reveal party. So they were doing macarons, were pink and blue macarons, all of it. Wonderful for you to be able to try them out. Check out our friends at MNB Sweets. Let's see, you can see them at mbsweets.com or check them out on Facebook, MNB Sweets. We get to the vice governor. This is, I get this yesterday afternoon. I was, um, it's actually in church. Uh, you, uh, the, wait, Joe texted you, the vice governor texted well, you Sunday, during it church? Was, it was Sunday night. Oh. The church he goes to probably doesn't have Sunday night service. Um, I'm going to drink my drink right Hi, now. Justin. It's Joe Cunningham mm -hmm. with an urgent update. Well, now I'm interested. Oh, now you got to read the whole thing. What? Now that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, dude, you're a month mm -hmm. late. It is. Yesterday was. Sunday night was. You're, the you're a week away from being a month late. <laughs> is that like a day late, dollar short concept? Yeah. Well, we'll get to the dollar in a second. Okay. Now that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, extreme abortion bans are putting the rights of millions of people at risk across the country. And right here in South Carolina, Government Master has taken one of the most extreme abortion stances in the country by admitting that he supports banning abortion even when the mother's life is in danger. Without a doubt, reproductive rights and the safety of millions of of lives are on the ballot this election, but so was Governor Henry McMaster. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm imagining that's what he did. That's why I'm asking you to consider chipping in just five, ten, or fifteen dollars to help me defeat him this November. Uh, because this isn't about being Republican or Democrat. It's about what? It's about saving lives and protecting our most basic freedoms. Now, wait, Dave wait. knows this Dave is about me. saving lives. Through abortion. Dave knows me very well. Dave yes. knows that probably my immediate response would have been your, I can't say it here. Um, we are a Family Matters podcast. It's about saving lives, sir. Really? <laughs> did you just stare and at about, Southern? And it, did I you did. just stare it's, at Southern? Really? It's Bless your heart. <laughs> and about protecting our most basic freedoms, like the right, right to, to life. life. Okay. Okay. Um, but he wants me to give him money. Ain't happening. Uh, did, wait, I did. Respond. Did you respond? I, did I was respond. about to say, how did how did you respond? This is my to, response. I will read it Vice straight. Governor I will read it straight through. Yes. Hi, Joe Staffer. Governor, wait, wait, wait. You wrote to Joe Staffer. Joe Cunningham did not write this message. Are you sure? I mean, it said it. Wait, what's it say at the top? Joe Cunningham. It says what? Joe Cunningham. Hi, oh, Justin. Justin it's Joe, it's Cunningham. Joe Cunningham. Joe Cunningham did not write this message. Okay. Just making sure. But He's too busy trying to pick who his lieutenant governor's run. Oh, I want to go there. We'll get there. Um, government master has not said that a mother's life is not valuable. There isn't a single pro-life bill that doesn't carve out protections for the life of the mother. Your fear-mongering rhetoric will not persuade SC voters. I pray that you will see the value in human life from conception. And if this election is about saving lives then I'll support the pro-life governor who will stand for biblical values. And God bless you. 
because that's a nice response, Justin. And and I've and responded straight to him. Forward. I've responded to him before. Instead of just calling him a flat out liar because he, he's sitting there saying that Governor McMaster is actually for no exceptions for the life of the mother because Henry McMaster wants all of women to die. Is I, that basically I, what he was saying? Yeah, I followed him when he announced he was running. He uh, messaged me asking me to chip in fifteen dollars to his grassroots, and yeah. I told him you stepping in makes me want to step back and step up my support of the current governor. <laughs> He didn't respond. Then he reached out to me because he had a really important message about the voting rights bill right. failing and asked if I would chip in $15, and I just responded, nah. nah. And then he also messaged me about the primary election. And, and I'm I, sure and you gave Governor him an earful about that one. Disaster, and right. so I gave him an earful about I love stats. the fact that, that Joe— They keep responding th- to me. Vice Governor Joe Cunningham wants to— at Every single one of these is a photo of him with a child on the beach. A, I think it's his son. I think okay. it's his son, Bo. It's his son, Bo. It's his cover photo. So so this is, I'm, I'm all about family, but killing children through abortion. Well, they're and not the same, Dave. They are not the some same. Parents, some parents right? want their children, and other parents who don't want their children should be able to kill their children, Dave. Oh. Is that I'm what? sorry. I, did I say the quiet I'm sorry. Do you quiet actually quote the concept? Sorry. Not the words. Yes, no, because I ideas actually do matter yeah. I, when it I comes said, to this. I said the quiet part out loud. I'm sorry. Yes, you did. As we, we wrap up with the with the vice governor. He did reveal. Now, he's got some time. I think mid-August is when he can announce his running mate because right. we decided as a state several years ago that the governor and lieutenant governor will run on the same ticket, which I think is a phenomenal idea. It's very voted, similar, to what, it's similar to what we see on the federal level. Yeah, president, right. vice president. I, I, I wouldn't. I was not a big fan of the idea that you could possibly have two people who are juxtaposed in position at the top of the executive branch. And that's exactly, we have seen that in South Carolina. We have seen that numerous Numerous times in South Carolina. Uh, Some of the most recent, when you would have seen that, probably the last time we saw that was when Carol Campbell was governor. He was a Republican and Nick Theodore was lieutenant governor. He was a Democrat. It was quite ironic when the lieutenant governor ran against the governor that's always fun. in South Carolina. That was the election of uh, I think 1990, when Nick Theodore decided that he was going to run against Governor Carol Campbell. Uh, Campbell, of course, won that election, and that was uh, that was election of '86. Yeah. And and so that's where you begin to see that sometimes having a ticket. It allows you to say that your governor and your lieutenant governor, not your vice governor, but your governor and your lieutenant governor are working together on getting things done. So the Democratic nominee has to find a a significant choice for lieutenant governor. Right. He released his list of names on Monday. His short list. Ooh, I have a short list. Short list. How short is this list? It ain't short. Okay. Tally Parham Casey. Columbia. She is the CEO of Weich Law Firm. Weich Law Firm? Apologies. Yes. She was the first female fighter pilot in the South Carolina Air National Guard, veteran of three combat tours in Iraq. Thank you for your service, Yes, thank Thank you. you. And she's a native of Greenville. Now, strategically, Cunningham, Charleston. She's a native of Greenville, but she works in Columbia. Look at the three areas. Boom, 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 boom. I would say. She also was in the Air National Guard. So, Tire, she's uh, she's got, got a lot of there, there's there's some support so there would be support that would be so th- here's folks how you start looking at choosing a lieutenant gubernatorial candidate they're going to think about geography because Joe Cunningham is solidly in the Charleston area as a matter of fact he represented he was the congressman from the first congressional district for one, one term. term and then Nancy Mace ran and she defeated him so 
understanding that he's That'll got be a theme in a second. He's got Charleston kind of. He's thinking Charleston. I've got to start pulling voters in from other areas of the state because not everybody lives in the People's Republic of Charleston. Rosalind Glenn. There we go. I visited Where's Charleston. She? I visited Charleston a couple weekends. It is a, a great place to visit. Yes, lots of history. No offense to our friends who live in the Charleston area. It's great. Their their local government's really bad. Yeah, it's Rosalind just a Glenn. Bit. Yes, Columbia, okay. financial planner, former Democratic nominee for state treasurer. So she has some experience in running for state office. She has some experience in running for state office. Maybe but not necessarily she didn't in winning win. it. Okay. Uh, she's a native of Welford, South Carolina. That would be in the upstate Spartanburg County. Okay. Okay. We know the next couple of names. Representative Jermaine Johnson from Lower Richland, small business owner, former professional basketball player, played, yep. played basketball at really, Lower Richland High, I really believe. Nice. We, we, as a matter Jermaine's of fact, a great guy. As a matter of fact, he is in the committee that's meeting today yes. to discuss the new abortion laws again, in South Carolina. And again, none of this is personal. No. All these people are, I'm, I'm sure, great people. Kimberly Johnson, yes. state rep from Manning. She okay. is the assistant director of the F.E. F. E. DuBois Career Center. Got it. Okay. Megan Smith, Spartanburg. Now, here's where you get the strategery, right? Okay. You get, uh, she's a member of Spartanburg City Council. Okay. She represents District mm -hmm. 1. She's the director of the College and Career Readiness at the Spartanburg Academic Movement. So, that's downtown Spartanburg, a very solid... So, so just geographically so that you understand Spartanburg County, Spartanburg County is red with a dot of blue in the middle in downtown. And that's what she represents. Okay. Ed Sutton. Okay. Charleston. Okay. Air Force pilot, commercial realtor, former Democratic nominee for State House. Okay. Catherine Whitaker. Ran but didn't win. Correct. Okay. Got it. Catherine okay. Whitaker. Mount Pleasant. Okay. Chief Marketing Officer of Burr and Foreman LLP. Okay. Former Democratic nominee for State Senate. Burr and Foreman LLP. That would be the law firm. Okay. Yes. And she's a native of Orangeburg. Got it. Okay. Here's a name that I wasn't expecting. All right. Teresa Wilson. The city manager city from City manager of Columbia. Hmm. Now, the city manager has a lot of pull city and manager in the city in, of Columbia. In the city of Columbia. So there's, the there's council members will tell you no. Right. The, the, the forms, there are different forms of, of city government in South Carolina. There's like three or four different forms. Yep. She is in the the... the council manager form of government. She's the city manager for the city of Columbia. That is a very powerful position. So she's got political experience. She's got a reputation in, in the city Columbia. of Columbia. Um, and the and, surrounding area. And the surrounding area. I mean, people know who she is. I, when I saw the right. name, I didn't have to read the, def, the, the description. Who she was. I knew who that was. Right. And the last one, Spencer Wetmore. Ooh. Folly Beach, state rep, former prosecutor. Okay. Former city administrator for the city of Folly Beach. Okay. This is an interesting shortlist, Dave. And we won't spend too much time on this because we got to get out of here. Right. But, um, an interesting list. I mean, if, if you're if you're placing odds, you know I'm, not, I'm not for betting, <clears throat> but if you're placing odds on this, I would like to think that you... you, you know, well, there's, there's a couple there's, there, there is an interesting name that is not on that shortlist. Mia McLeod. Mia McLeod, who ran against Joe Cunningham for... The position as vice governor of South Carolina, yes, is well, not on this list. She's not going to want to give up that state senate seat. To, and to be honest, if I was in her position, I, I would give up a state senate seat. But wait, she doesn't have to give up the seat because so, senators she'll, she'll run during the presidential year. True. So you could run as a state senator. Ask Vincent Shaheen. 
Vincent, great guy out of out of Camden, ran as a Democrat Good twice podcast. against great podcast guys. We don't always agree, but great podcast. Yep. But but you can still be a state senator and you can still run on a ticket because you don't have to give up your seat. You can be a state house rep and run for U.S. Senate and not give up your seat. That's true. Um, <laughs> if if I had to put money on it, I mean, I would like to think you pick one of the sitting. Although that that top name, does does the order of the names mean anything? I don't. They're not do in you alphabet- read into the Do you read into Are the they in alphabetical order? Casey, Glenn, Johnson, Johnson, Smith, Sutton, Wetmore, Whitaker. Yeah. Yes, they are. They're in alphabetical order. They're so in alphabetical would, order. Okay, I, don't read into the names. But don't read into the but list a lot but a lot of people do vote that way, it's especially true. on like vote for four and they pick the first. I I'm hate being. That's where being Wilson just okay, puts top, me at the end of a list. But I'm right smack dab in the middle. There you the go. The top name yes. here: Tally Parham Casey, woman, female. I you got to think it's going to be a female, right? I would think that possibly so because you've got. If you're running on the issue of abortion, got, wouldn't you want to? If you're running on the issue of abortion, you're going to have to have somebody who is absolutely hardcore pro-abortion supporter here. Therefore, in, in this list that that you're looking at right here, Spencer Wetmore, it is flying to the top of the list. Plus, she has been seen with him on numerous, numerous occasions, occasions. Um, on, at, at events that he's been doing. So it I wouldn't seems be, to be the. But geographically, geographically, Tally Parham Casey, a native of Greenville, but working in Columbia, former Air National Guard pilot. She's a veteran. And is she not that with? The, is she not sense. with the, the the law firm? She's with a law firm. So it makes sense. Wyche is a very respected. I have friends that work for the Wyche Law Firm. They're a very respected law firm. Uh, they, they've got a lot of, of great talent, but they also have a lot of money that flows through there. And so that would be. And he's going to have to be. He's going to have to be looking through this not only from a geographic standpoint. Not only from an ideology standpoint, but he's also going to have to look at it from a money standpoint because Henry McMaster has outraised him yet again, he's, quarter by quarter by quarter. He's getting his tail kicked in. Right. Comes, that's why he's reaching out to me on Twitter asking for 15 bucks. Because um, he's definitely going to get his, something his, out of reaching out to if you. His buddy, if his buddy in the state house <laughs> would, would have better energy policy, I might have more to spare. Um, oh, that's, that's all. That's for, a lot today. That's a lot to get into today. But here's something great. Uh, I'll still be in Columbia. Uh, he is heading to the western part of the country. I am actually going to be in Arizona for the rest of this week. So as you're watching this on Tuesday, I'm, I'm on my way to Arizona uh, with the Family Policy Council Alliance. So the Family Policy Councils, like Palmetto Family here in South Carolina, there are Family Policy Councils in 40 of the other states across America. And we get together once or twice a year. As we do so, we're, we're working on collective policy. So a lot of the things that you see happening here in South Carolina are things that we have also seen happening in other states across the country. And they take the ideas that we've been working on and do the same thing so that we can collectively begin to work together. You sit here and you look at something as consequential as the Dobbs decision. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that the Dobbs decision made its way to the U.S. Supreme Court is because enough states had been working on pro-life policies long enough to create enough of a groundswell so that when the argument came forth, the justices made the decision, there are enough cases out here, 
we should take a look at one of these and make a decision about this particular issue. That's why what we do here at Palmetto Family matters so much and why your investment in our work matters. Because this is how we work together with other family policy council and our alliances all across the United States. Also working with our partners with Alliance Defending Freedom, our, our alliances with the Baptists, with the Catholics, with the Crisis Pregnancy Centers, and all of these other groups as we work together to create the guardrails for South Carolina. And that's where your involvement as a reflector on that guardrail is so important. If you'd like to be involved in the work that we do, we welcome your investment. Yep. You can go to palmettofamily.org slash donate, or better yet, download the app on your smartphone. Search on your smartphone for the Palmetto Family Council or Palmetto Family app, mm-hmm. and you can download it from there. It keeps you up to date on all the issues that are going on, lets you know when the podcasts are going to be out and available if you're not already uh, subscribed. And if you are subscribed, would you take just a moment to give us a five-star rating. Let your friends know, because the most important thing that you can do right now in this is letting other people know how valuable this information that we are providing is to you. So take just a minute, if you would, share it with a few friends who you know need to know and understand the issues, why they matter, what the Bible says about them, and most importantly, what you can do about those issues, because that's why we're here at Palmetto Family. And look look forward later this week, there's going to be a special conversation coming out of Arizona that you're going to want to listen to. Uh, it's Dave, you're going to be kind of hosting a roundtable with some of the other policy council leaders from the other early primary states right. talking about the impact of the Christian vote and Christian engagement in those early primary states. And that is one of the most important things to know and understand. South Carolina, you out swing your weight when it comes to national politics. If you Certainly. take a look at it, with the exception of Newt Gingrich since 1980, when, since 1980 mm-hmm. South Carolina has picked the Republican nominee for president, with the exception of 2012 when Newt Gingrich ran because he was the guy who was next door. But beyond that, we have been the group that has chosen the presidential candidate time and time and time again. Take a look at Joe Biden. My gracious, he was down third, fourth, fifth in the polls until he came to South Carolina and Jim Clyburn's endorsement threw him well over the edge. And he rode that the rest of the and way. And he rode that the rest. That's how he picked up in one Super Tuesday. It is. It's exactly no because question. he had the momentum coming out of South Carolina. This is why what you do and your involvement in what happens in the political sphere and happens in the public policy sphere matters. So as I'm having conversations with my colleagues, we may or may not be on video. It all depends upon the technology that we have available. But we want you to hear mm-hmm. from our colleagues in Iowa, from our colleagues in New Hampshire, why do the Christian voices matter, especially in early primary states, in what goes on into the national discussion. Because guess what, folks? 2024 is getting ready to open its doors wide. It is. As a matter of fact, this Wednesday night at Florence Baptist Temple in Florence, South Carolina, Vice President Mike Pence is actually going to be speaking on life after Roe. I've heard and that what before. Poli- exactly. What policies that are going to be coming out and that we need to be focused on as a country. Yep. And so that if you have to, if you happen to be listening on Tuesday or Wednesday to this podcast, the uh, doors are going to be opening at six. six. Uh, the event at, at seven. Welcome to Wednesday night church with our p- friend <laughs> and board member Pastor Bill Monroe as he hosts Vice President Mike Pence at Florence Baptist Temple. This Wednesday night, doors will open at 6, begins at 7 o'clock. I think it's going to be a great opportunity. Unfortunately, I'm going to be in Arizona. Uh, Mitch is going to be in some, somewhere uh, in somewhere. South Carolina. Yeah, you're yeah, some, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with 
vacation Bible school. It is vacation Bible it school. It is vacation Bible school time. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot to keep up with. And, and we thank you for making us the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina by your support. So on Facebook, if you're watching this on Facebook, like it, share it, share pass it. it around. Let your friends know what you're listening to and how they can have a better informed view of what's going on across if, the state and the if country. If you're watching us on, on YouTube, yep. then share it. And hit that little subscribe button, but also hit the little bell so that you're alerted mm-hmm. when we are yeah. posting these things up. Yep. Or get the app yep. because it's through the app, the Palmetto Family app on your smartphone, on your smartphone devices, it, so that you can keep up on tracking the things that are going on here in Columbia. Because we try to let folks know everything that we're doing here at Palmetto Family. So for Mitch Prosser, who is around the state somewhere right now, Dave Wilson, that who's, time of year. who's jumping on a plane, and for everybody. <laughs> Justin Hall, thank you so much for watching another edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast.